Jesus said to the Pharisees, there was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs, even, used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, he, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, my child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to him. He said, oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good evening, everyone. And one of the joys that I have as being a, a priest is uh, I'm, I get to be around so many families. I get to enjoy uh, the little ones and even the teenagers, and, and I get to be part of uh, so many different lives. And one of the things that I enjoy is being invited to go to see people's ball games, and some of them here in our own uh, courts at STA. And it's interesting that when the little children play a sport, uh, let's just say baseball for example, uh, oftentimes they are oblivious to the fact that they're in a competition. It's often the parents who are way more competitive that their kids win than the kids themselves who are playing the game. It's the parents that will say, okay, now pick up the ball and throw it to first. No, no, to first. And they have to really guide them through the whole game. And they're all having fun, mind you. But at the end of the game, it's not uncommon for one of those kids to finally, maybe on the ride home, ask their parents, did we win? It's at an early age, I think, that we learn to be very competitive. We have to outdo the other person. And this has its place in the world, and, and competition is, is in many ways good. Um, you know, with competition, you know, race car driving came, came, a, 
along a lots of innovation in engine technology. We now have engines that are much more powerful and faster than they've ever been. Cars that are more safer on the road because of things they learn through, through competition. And so competition brings about many good things. But competition can also lead to problems. For example, have you ever seen it maybe on the back of somebody's car, a big bumper sticker that says, the one with the most toys is the winner. Um, and then the next car will say something like, yeah, you can't take it with you to the grave, all right? So sometimes we are so competitive when it comes to um, wealth, earthly treasure, that we fail to see the needs that are around us and our need to give to them. Let me just say that again, that we have a need to give to the poor. Um, if we are created in God's image and likeness, and God is generous, and God is a giver, then if we're made in the image and likeness of that, then we have a need to give. St. John Paul II, in uh, one of the audio books that I was listening, he was speaking to a group of priests. He said that oftentimes there's a tendency that when we see beggars on the side of the road, there's often this tendency to, oh, I hope they don't see me. Or let me take out my collar real quick. You know, once they see it's a priest, they know they're going to get something from me and they're going to demand it. Um, and we, we might want to avoid the beggar or not even uh, pay attention or look at them. He said, we should actually be thanking them because in their need, they create the opportunity for charity to exist. That if there weren't people suffering and in need, then charity, there wouldn't be no opportunity then for us to practice charity in that way. And the scripture says that charity covers a multitude of sins. And so competition can be good, but competition, if it's done like this, can also be something bad. I remember when I was a kid, I had two older brothers, and we were very competitive. And uh, let me just say, like in the second reading from Paul, we heard Paul speak about competition. He said, be competitive in the faith. And that's a good way to be competitive. Be competitive in the faith. So my two older brothers... They became altar servers, and I wanted to be an altar server, and they said, oh, you're not old enough yet. So when I was uh, real young, I used to think, one of these days, I'm going to become a priest, and then I'm going to be the boss of them. <laughs> I don't know. It's competition at work or competitive nature. Uh, when I was a very young priest, a brand-new priest, by the way, for many years, I held the title of the youngest priest in the diocese. And then after that, I held the, the title of the youngest pastor in the diocese uh, for a very long time. But when I was a baby priest, newly appointed, I remember, now when you're a, a new priest, you can pretty much get them to do anything that you want. Um, this group approached me and said, we would like you to volunteer to go to jail. And what it is, is it's a fundraiser. We're going to pick you up in a police car. We're going to take you to jail. And you have to raise $1,500. You get to use your cell phone and call people. And once you get $1,500, you can uh, be free. So I said, okay. <laughs> and they picked me up. Uh, rather than take me to jail, they took me to uh, TGIF and fed me uh, chicken wings and french fries and a Coke. And I had to start making phone calls. Tell everybody you're in jail. 
okay, I call up my parents, call everybody on my cell phone, and then I notice, oh, there was another number on my phone I hadn't called yet. It was Bishop O'Brien. <laughs> so I call Bishop O'Brien. Uh, hey, Bishop O'Brien, it's uh, Father Steve. Oh, yeah, I just ordained you, right? How's everything going? I'm in jail. <laughs> what? I said, oh, don't get all upset. Let me explain it to you. Uh, I'm doing a fundraiser, and once you uh, donate $1,500, then they'll set me free. So, well, how much money did you donate? I said, well, I donated $100 of my own money. And he said, well, there ain't no young priest going to outdo the bishop, so I'll do 200 So there's competition in a good way, right, competing to do good acts. Uh, many a, a, a years ago, I remember um, there was uh, on TV, they used to say things like uh, uh, senseless acts of random violence. And someone decided to try to counter that and said, why don't we try to do senseless acts of random kindness? You know, instead of random violence, let's do random kindness. And you, you might know it also as a pay it forward or even acts of random kindness. This is how the Christian approaches uh, negativity in the society is to try to counter it with a, a, a good. And, you know, if, if uh, the rich man that we hear in this gospel parable, had he been on the lookout for opportunities to practice acts of random kindness, he may not have found himself in the predicament that he was in. Oftentimes, I'll hear people say things like, I must be going to heaven. I'm not a bad person. I've never killed anybody. I've never stolen anything. I've never done anything really that bad in my life. And you could say to somebody like that, neither did the rich man. For all uh, accounts, the rich man was probably a pretty decent guy. He probably went to the church. He went to the synagogue. He prayed. Uh, it doesn't say that he ever cheated anybody. It doesn't say that he uh, mistreated Lazarus. He didn't kick him on the way out saying, hey, get out of my driveway. He didn't uh, abuse him with uh, harsh words calling him names, he didn't spit on him or anything like that. But it appears that the big problem the rich man had was that he ignored Lazarus. He ignored him. There was a man who was, uh, he didn't have wants, you know, oh, I want to have, you know, a steak dinner or something. No, no, he was starving, desiring scraps from his trash can. And in his need, the rich man completely ignored Lazarus. I think the thing that we, in order for us to avoid the same sin, we call this, by the way, sins of omission, the things that we ought to have done, but we, we fail to do them. Uh, the way to combat this is to look for opportunities, random acts of, of kindness uh, for people maybe that we don't even know. Many of you may have seen the movie uh, Schindler's List. And it's about a Polish businessman during the Second World War when the Nazis had come in and taken over Poland. And he had a factory, and the Germans wanted him to make uh, munitions for the war effort. And to make his factory more profitable, uh, they gave him uh, Jewish prisoners as free labor. All he had to do is pay for really was their food, their food expense. 
So he was able quickly to amass a lot of, of wealth. But he was also a Catholic man and a man of faith, and he quickly saw that what the Nazis were doing was evil and wrong, and he sought to save as many of the Jewish prisoners as he could. He started using his profits uh, to purchase uh, more and more freedom for these Jewish prisoners. And by the end of the movie, the Nazis are, are fleeing the city and the allied forces are coming in and all the Jewish prisoners are surrounding him and they're showing, they're showering him with love and thank yous and they keep thanking him for having uh, saved so many of them. And Schindler, what does he do? He breaks down and he starts weeping and he says, I could have saved more. And they said, what are you talking about? You did so much good for our people. We love you. He's like, I could have done more. You see this gold watch? That could have been another life. I could have saved another life. You see my car? I could have had four more people saved if I had sold my car. And all he could think of were the opportunities that he missed to save a life or to help this person in need. As we read this uh, gospel reading, we hear that Lazarus found himself cut off from life eternal because of things that he failed to do. Let us be inspired to do acts of random kindness for people maybe that we don't even know. Uh, if we looked for that, just one thing a day, and it doesn't have to revolve around money. It could. It could mean that we help somebody in need. Uh, it could be kind words or, th or actions that we want to do uh, to help someone. Uh, so as we receive the ultimate gift, the gift of Jesus in the sacrament, let us make some sort of pledge that we too would seek opportunities to help our fellow man. Amen.